0: Hello, and welcome to the Dissing My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker, and I am super excited about today's guest. He is a disability advocate, an ADA coordinator, and he's also a TEDx speaker. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Liam Doyle. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. Pleasure to be here. I'm so happy that you are here. I think it's going to be a very exciting conversation. Um, so, <laughs> so to start off i am hoping you can share a little bit with the audience um how disability has affected you uh personally
1: sure. um, so I was born disabled um I was born in, in nineteen eighty nine in Tampa, Florida, and I was uh three I was probably about I'd say about three pounds five ounces when I was born, and uh, I was ten weeks premature um I have cerebral palsy I have Scoliosis and some other minor issues that I deal with. So, you know, from from the jump, it's been part of my everyday life and and something that I um, have lived with and worked with for these now thirty four years of my life. You know, in terms of how it impacts my day to day, it's everything from my approach to getting ready to the work that I do to the experience I had in education and going through that process. So it's very much multifaceted. It's a little bit, there are some things I'm very aware of and there are some things that I have kind of gotten accustomed to. So I'm not really as aware of them now as I were, you know, as someone who doesn't have these challenges and doesn't have these experience might be, um, you know, from the outside looking in. So it's a, a very interesting dynamic of, you know, what is second nature to me is interesting or Uh, different to someone else even if they have very similar disabilities and challenges like I do because you know I always find that if you have someone who has you know any type of disability uh, no matter what it is their approach and experiences are going to be vastly different from yours but there is always that commonality which and so I really try to focus on that um, as much as possible.
0: Yeah I think that's wonderful and you're right it's it's two people can have the same disability but how it's going to affect them is could be dramatically different. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. So you had said that your disability is unavoidably linked to who you are. Wondering if you can elaborate on that your disability is unavoidably linked, that you you used those specific words. I found really interesting. So I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that.
1: Sure. So what I mean by that is to say that I um, am a motorized wheelchair user, primarily. That's my primary uh, mode of transportation. I'm someone who doesn't drive. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, I think, a little later. But as someone who has a very visible disability, uh, it's front and center in everything I do in all my social interactions and you know my perception, uh, both of myself and of of people around me and how I'm perceived, I think is very much kind of defined by it in a way as much as I try not to make it so much of the uh, focal point of my interactions, especially when I was was growing up, it definitely was. It's definitely something that that I've had to kind of grow around as a person and say, you know, um, me as a 34-year-old versus me as a 15, 16-year-old high school student had very different uh, feelings about the uh, the nature of my disability and, and the equipment that I used. Because back then, it was whenever I would meet new people, it was do they see me or do they see the chair 1st and I think that that you know I was fortunate and very blessed to have a, a wonderful family who's who's was very supportive, is very supportive, really fantastic in the way that they uh, they raised me and wanted me to, to want more for myself and want the best out of my life. And you know, very fortunate to have uh, the right kind of friends at the right time to really be as accommodating as possible to the, the my needs, but also not making that front and center uh, for everything that we did. I, when I was in high school, was in choir, middle school, high school, part of college as well, because that for me was a great equalizer. There wasn't a lot of physical, um, you know, it wasn't very strenuous physically. It wasn't very, um, you know, demanding in terms of, of lower body strength, more upper body and, and breathing techniques and things like that. That's all things that I could for the most part handle. So, you know, finding that sort of outlet and um, having something that is very social in nature and still um, adaptable to my needs was really important, I think. And that really helped me to not only grow as a person uh, and gain confidence, but also really help to socialize. Like I have friends uh, that were in, you know, middle school and high school choir with that I still talk to uh, on a semi-regular basis. And we're, you know, Lifelong friends at this point, and so we're stuck with each other. So it's it's uh, a really great opportunity to, again, just kind of find what I like to do, and you know, find a way around working with that and my disability at the same time. <laughs>
0: I I, th- I think that's great. You know, find your people, and I, I similar to you, I, I have friends that I met in middle school, and I still talk to them. And I'm about a decade older than you, so it's uh, they become family and it is how I kind of see it as you go through so much together. And I think that's amazing. I think that's awesome. I mentioned that you you did a TEDx talk, which is just awesome. I think it's a phenomenal talk and I'll have a link to it down in the podcast description for people so they can go check it out. But one of the things that you really that you focus on, on your uh, in your talk is a video where you kind of show the audience just some of the barriers that you encounter on a daily basis. And on a personal level, I kind of wonder if sometimes people are are just really oblivious, or hopefully they're not that inconsiderate. But like just outside of my own home, people block the sidewalk all the time. They, it's one of those curbs where they can kind of drive up onto the sidewalk, sure. and it's often blocked entirely. And it's it's incredibly frustrating. And even more so, I'm sure for you. I'm just curious as to why you found it, why you thought it was so important to. Show that to people because I th- I think they need to see it. But why did you think it was so show- so important to show them?
1: And and this goes into what I was kind of I touched on earlier, where there are elements of my day to day life that I'm so accustomed to that are just kind of second nature. So for me personally, you know, I absolutely have people who block sidewalks or uh, park weird. There are crack sidewalks. There are sidewalks that should be there that aren't there are curb cuts that need to be put in and, uh, fixed locally. And I'm just so used to finding work around that. It's like muscle memory for me at this point. So, um, when I was designing that talk in, uh, I think it was six, uh, 2016, 2017, I really wanted to have a way to show people what it was like. Um, you know, you, you kind of touched on it earlier where it's not that people I think are, are intentionally, um, they're not intentionally trying to ignore those issues. It's just, I, I find a lack of awareness. So yeah. my goal was how can I show people what it's like instead of me sitting there for you know the 10, 12 minutes of the talk and saying, this is what it's like. So what I was able to do was record my day-to-day routine uh, going around my downtown area here in Lafayette, Louisiana, and narrating what that's like from a perspective that people Typically, would not get if they weren't along for the, the the ride and the the walk with me. So, really tried to show people, you know, this is what I have to do just to get to this point, and I mean that very literally. Just yeah. to get here today, this is what I had to go through, and um, you know, I think that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because it it really helped to illustrate the importance of when you're advocating how much of that is education based. And how much of it is not only for the people that you're advocating for, but also for those people who are outside of the community that, that don't have those experiences and don't know what it's like to say uh, have those challenges, and, and how are they uh, impactful to even them? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they're not in, because not everyone is in a wheelchair. And, uh, like like I said earlier, everyone who uh, you know, those who are have very different experiences. So I really wanted to find something that was universally understandable, and I think. With that portion of the talk, I was able to to really bring that home.
0: This is the Dissing My Ability podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. <music> Let's get back to the conversation with Liam Doyle. It does it in a way where you're not complaining, you're not, not uh, looking for pity, you're not feeling, you're, or you're not angry. You're just like, this is what I have to deal with every day. I mean, I thought Phoenix had bad sidewalks, but yeah. Oh my gosh, I was astounded at like just the size of some of
1: those. I was like, I I don't know if i had ever seen. So, a, a, so I, I don't I don't remember crazy. exactly if I mentioned this in the talk because again, this was a few years ago and I haven't watched it. I actually, it's funny funny you bring this up because I I've only watched my talk from beginning to end a couple of times. Um, I just for whatever reason just can't sit down and force myself to watch it, um, but. The portions of of Lafayette that I was was uh, videoing um, were designed specifically for horse and buggies, <laughs> uh, so that's that's why some of those sidewalks were were uh, you know are as high up as they are because they were designed uh, in that time frame for a completely different type of transportation that you know is now obsolete, yeah. but the infrastructure is still there.
0: Wow, that's that's crazy to think that they're yeah. that old
1: yeah it's 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 really interesting i mean I'm a history uh buff i was a history minor in college and and so from from a historical standpoint it's it's fascinating but from from an accessibility standpoint and a an infrastructure standpoint it's really annoying I yeah. mean, it's, just, it's so uh unnecessary and kind of just ridiculous but I, you know again that's one of the things where it's just like after a certain point you get used to that hmm
0: Yeah, it's very true, you know. Because we just have to adapt, or I think you know, we would just we wouldn't be able to move through life if we just didn't find workarounds. Is right uh, as much as it shouldn't have to be that way. Ultimately, it's up to you know each individual how they move through life, and um, it's uh, I've many people have said, and I agree that it can be exhausting. Just the amount of energy it can take to go through the day with it, with it, living with a disability, because you have to do so many more steps to do the same stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's and 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 your your video, you know, your your talk is a very good way of showing those things. And my favorite was when you talk when you showed the light post in the middle of the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was the that's the, that's the uh, that was the first picture I took um, in my journey for advocacy. So the story behind that um, back in 2015, um, I was on my way I so I' moved out so I graduated high school when I was uh, 19 years old in 2008 and moved out of my parents' house in 2009. So I immediately was like, you know, we had a great run. it's been 19 years. I'm gonna do my own thing. I literally was maybe like five minutes away from my parents' house, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So at that point, I was living in the downtown, what I call downtown adjacent area of Lafayette, and so I was on my way to meet them uh, for for lunch at a local uh, po' boy shop, which are a very fantastic type mm-hmm. of sandwich that we have here Love in Lafayette. In I don't know if, those, if all your <laughs> listeners are familiar with what a po'boy boy is. Uh, they're fantastic. I highly recommend mm. them. So good. Um, anyway, so I was on my way to lunch with them, and that pole was in the uh, just in the in the sidewalk, and I was just using the sidewalk and just decided to take a picture, and then on my way back because I obviously had to get out of the sidewalk to go yeah. around said pole, and then on my way back, um, I was like, you know, somebody should really do something about this in terms of like awareness and like letting people know, hey, this is what. Uh, our infrastructure looks like, and this is how it impacts those disabilities. And so I did the very millennial thing of just being like, I'm going to get on social media and going to just put it out there. And I did. And I didn't use Twitter. I didn't use uh, Instagram. So by default, it was Facebook for me. Mm-hmm. So I started on Facebook, and that really got my, uh, you know, got a lot of traction and got some awareness out of it. And I was able to partner with the city and. You know, the rest is history. I've really got a passion for policy change and public awareness, and you know that's really how that started. So that that one pole, which by the way is still there, uh, <laughs> was is very pivotal to my my journey. Uh,
0: it's it's I, I couldn't when I saw it, I knew it because I see it here all the time. Yeah, um, and I'm sure it's you know I'm, it's probably all over the place where there's a you know a light pole or something else that's right in the middle of the sidewalk, mm-hmm. and it's like who decided it was a good idea to just stick this thing right here it's 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 astounding to me it's great that you are taking the initiative and not waiting for somebody else to do it you know you're you're like i'm not gonna wait for somebody else to do it i'm gonna do it and i well, think I'm gonna, that's I'm, gonna, great. I'm gonna
1: stop you right there and i'll correct you a little bit because okay. i had heard for years that i would be a good advocate and um i had heard for years that i would be uh someone who would, would definitely have you know their voice heard and, and and as someone who is willing to speak up and, and be able to, to articulate things very well for years, for years and years and years and years, I did not because I assumed that there was someone else who was, mm-hmm. was better or more suited for that line of work and, and sort of was, you know, it was not me, but certainly someone else would take up a cause. So I was aware of those issues, but up until 2015, I hadn't done any real, you know, legitimate uh, advocacy for, for, uh, you know, uh, anything of of note. So I really um, kind of just, you know, literally one day was just like, I I went from not me to why not me. And that Mm -hmm. was a big shift. And it wasn't really anything that I was just like, I'm going to do this and see what happens. I think it was just like, I started this project, so I might as well keep going. And I, you know, built traction, like I said. So it wasn't planned or anything. It's just like. Because even when I was um, meeting with these people and and advocating, I also had the the perceived, I think, self imposed barrier of I'm a college student, so who's going to listen to me? Because I was Mm -hmm. at time, you know, at time I was at at, uh, my local community college, and then eventually I I did finish my my bachelor's in in 2021, and it just, you know, I had that perception of I'm in college, no one's going to take me seriously, and I had to get over that, and that was something that was self imposed because. Not that I was looking for a way out, but I just was, I was expecting that response. And, you know, I got the exact opposite where people wanted to hear from me and wanted to work with me. And so it was a real sort of reflective moment where it's like, yes, you can do all of these things. Um, You just have to figure out what it is you want to do Mm -hmm. and how do you start small and build out.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's a great, a great way of kind of you know pointing out that you know you might meet some resistance and and stuff like that when it comes to advocacy but you know we all have to i think you have to find your voice it's not you know for i don't think for very many people it's just instantly there um right. and it's you know it can be hard to figure where do i start and i know I, I i the same thing for me you know when i encountered my vision loss was what the heck do i do and something that i fell back on is you know i had a very successful career in insurance so i knew A lot of things that most people don't know about how certain things work, like how the disability system works and how insurance works in a very deep way. So I could really get into it in ways a lot of people can't. Yeah. so we take whatever, you know, whatever knowledge we have, whatever, but even with when it comes to advocacy and it's something that we've never done before, it's like, are they going to even pay attention to me? (laughs) Yeah. And, but I think what you highlighted is that they did listen. I think that's the part that you know to focus on is our voices do matter and we and when we say something we can really have an impact just to to put yourself out there and to try you know i think that that's a good message i think that's yeah a absolutely message.
1: and then the biggest the biggest tip i would give and this is the one that i always give is is you know start locally in terms of and i don't mean necessarily in your hometown but i mean like what motivates you um, so the reason that i that I was in that area was because I lived nearby. The reason that I focused primarily on downtown was was twofold: the first of which is that it's the oldest part of Lafayette's so would have the most accessibility issues in terms of physical barrier removal um and you know needed the most attention, so it's like why not? but also, I lived in the area, so I knew the issues very well. I knew the the ins and outs I could weave in and out pretty easily. So it made it it made me a subject matter expert by default because not only am I focusing on an area that needs a lot of attention, but it's also my neighborhood. So I know where these issues are. I know how to identify them, and that leads you know credibility because when you're starting small and building up, you want to have small wins because you know people like you said you're you're gonna say no, and there were some pretty severe no's that I got uh, that almost derailed me, but. Um, I think the majority of people want to; they want to help. And in my case, they just—it was something that they hadn't addressed yet, so they didn't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so very early on, I adopted an approach of being um, very solution-oriented, and I mean that both ways—in in both finding a solution, but also being part of the solution. And saying, mm-hmm. "You know, here's an, a list of uh, issues. Now, let me work with you to to help you." Um, identify and address them. And you know, especially from a government standpoint, that is so refreshing mm-hmm. because I always say that people don't call uh you know your your local or state government when you're having a good day. It's when you have a problem and you want someone to fix it. And while that is understandable, we I think oftentimes government there is a a uh sort of natural um us versus them mentality mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that in my experience has not been anything, you know, nothing further from the truth that I've experienced because we're all, we're all community members ourselves and we all want the same things and we all want to um, better our communities and, and make it be as inclusive as possible. And yes, there are limitations to that, but it's not because of lack of effort. It's just because of different circumstances that are, you know, too numerous to mention. So the mentality that that it's that it's they don't care about my issues is is has not been my experience um for the most part. And I think that's something to remember is that uh when you're working, especially with any kind of local local, state, federal, you know, policy major maker, change maker, they, they're people too. And mm-hmm. it's very important. It's it's you a lot of times you forget that. And yeah. it's important to remember that. And quite frankly, it's important to remind them that of that sometimes because They need it as well. You're tuned in to the Dissing My Ability podcast.
0: I am your podcast host, Ken Meeker, and I hope you will join us on part two of my conversation with the awesome Liam Doyle. Thank you for listening.